Hey, this is Gary. This is Mike. And Daniel. We're not professionals. We're just three addicts sharing our experiences, strength, and hope regarding recovery. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to other addicts and to practice these principles in our lives. Welcome to another episode of the 12th Step Podcast. I'm Mike. I'm Gary. And this is Daniel. We're having way too much fun. Wow. It's going to be one of those nights. Tonight, we want to talk about uh, uh, a topic from uh, Patrick Karn's book, Facing the Shadow. Uh, he provides a tremendous amount of tools for those who are struggling with sexual addiction and things that, uh, things that can help, uh, help them out. Uh, I really enjoyed this section. He, he talks an awful lot about uh, three or four things that are really helpful uh, in your recovery process. One of the things he brings up is something called a personal craziness index, or a PCI, picky. a picky, picky, affectionately known as picky. And the reason why I found this one particularly interesting is, is I'm recognizing the, the magnitude of chaos and the relevance of chaos in my life and how that little things that I do or don't do affect my well-being as a result of uh, as a result of my addiction and so this concept behind the picky is to keep track of those particular things for a period of time let me throw out a couple of suggestions so uh, I remember in one of our groups somebody talking about the cleanliness of their car and how Mm -hmm. that affects them and I think that's really interesting Uh, how often we exercise or don't exercise lack thereof in my case um I mentioned to you multiple times that I'm kind of a geek about some of these things, and so I've, uh, I've, I've identified a handful of things that really affect me. Being self-employed, um, taking care of my personal finances, and building customers is a, is a critical issue for me. So those are some of the things that I found on my picky, that when I do the work or keep track of my timesheets, that's the other thing. If I don't enter time in, mm-hmm. I sell time for a living. So, so uh, if I don't enter my time in on a daily basis, those are the things that ultimately add up to uh, not being able to, to build a client properly or do some of those things. So all of those are relevant. All of those are relevant. You experienced a picky. I did. What did you, what did some of the things that you found on there? I loved it. Did you? I did. In fact, I will, I'll go out. I, I think it's just a really, really good mental health tool. It's a great tool. You know, even, even I, I think it's just a really, really good idea to sit down and, and go through one. What I, what I really liked about it is, <laughs> It helped me identify, helped me identify some of my early signs that I'm in in trouble. Sure. I think in previous episodes I've mentioned that uh, I can tell I'm in trouble when things start dropping off, like flossing my teeth or having my laundry in order, things like that. And that's how I discovered that about myself was was doing a picky. Interesting. In fact, I've been tempted recently to do it again just to see what it tells Mm. me. I think it's fantastic. It just at various times throughout the process of recovery to, to pull that little tool out and reevaluate again because no doubt about it, you're in a different place. Now. I'm in a very different place and I have a lot of other responsibilities going on in my world. Yes. And and there have been a couple of times I thought, you know what? I should just kind of pull that out and, and you know, maybe re, uh, have another look at some of my critical indicators, you know, maybe pick some new ones and, yeah. and just kind of see how, how I'm managing that. My wife pays attention in, in some cases to, and I know the picky's designed to really focus on seven days worth of activities. Mm-hmm. So it's it's routine items that happen during the day. But one of the things she actually pays pays very much attention to is our own personal finances, and how our personal finances take care of that. Now I can fit into the picky, but but 
it's intended to be something specific every day, but moving into something every week or even on a monthly basis. But she knows full well she's looking at those bills. She, she, one of the things that happened in the middle of my acting out was, uh, you know, when the water didn't turn on or the toilet didn't flush, uh, it was a very clear indicator that I was not in a good place. And so she pays attention to those things now. Well, I think that that's why the picky, at least the one that is recommended in the book, is yes. that, as, mm-hmm. that you watch yourself for 12 weeks. Right. You know, oh, that's right. You have that's seven indicators, longer. seven indicators that you check every day, and then you monitor that for twelve weeks. That's a three-month period, and I think one of the reasons why it wants you to do it that long is because I, I think we need to remember that we have cycles that, um, you know, might take a couple mm-hmm. hours, might take a couple days. Some do happen a week. in weeks or yeah. a yeah. longer. And and a thing like paying your bills or doing your billing—that's something that you're going to do once or twice a month. Right, and if you're going to see any kind of a pattern, you're going to need to see that a few times. Three months. Yeah, that's great. So. Yeah, that's a great point. How about your experience with the picky, Daniel? <clears throat> I mean, for me, it, it, I mean, it was good to identify things that I was doing that I wasn't very, I guess, aware of. I mean, there were still things I was doing, and I sort of know them, but to, to see the extent I was doing things, um, you know, uh, it, it's you know, brushing my teeth is 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 a big thing, but you know, if I would skip that, you know, I, I wasn't doing it after sure. every meal or uh, something as simple as, cha- you know, making my bed. Um, I realized that was a big deal. And, and you know, by doing that, you know, it changes the, at least for me, it changes the feel of my bedroom. Absolutely. Um, it, it feels more clean. It feels more, it, it's nice to be able to crawl into a clean bed. Um, you know, and, and for the longest time, you know, after that same person in, in the group had mentioned, you know, a messy car, I realized, wow, I, I you know, the front of my car is clean, mm-hmm. but I, re- I realized how much I tossed things into right. the, on the floor in the back seat. Sort of live it's, out of that it's, vehicle, it's don't still, you? It still looked okay, but the floor had a lot of stuff on it, and I just had just neg- neglected right. that and, right. and ignored that. And then I've changed that and made sure, and you know, I even bought like a... A vacuum cleaner that you can plug into the cigarette lighter, so I can stay on top of that yeah. type of thing. But it was interesting to see how those minor things compiled and kind of played a role in the addiction process. I'm actually surprised how many of those things actually affect my mood. Yeah, I don't do well in. I don't do well with a messy desk. Yeah, I don't do well with a messy bedroom. Um, I don't do well with uh, with unclean sheets. I don't do well with clutter. So all of those things, I don't do well in a in a kitchen that hasn't been cleaned up mm-hmm. in fact you know my wife will tell you that those seem to be the things that i went to when when i was angry at her about some specific thing which obviously enabled my acting out behavior mm-hmm. uh, but those are the things i tended to to harp on was you know the cleanliness of my house because i find that those things affect my mood in a negative way so all of that stuff is classic picky kind yes. of things that can fit on there um <clears throat> not not a tracking of my wife. Hey, look, you didn't do this particular thing, but I think but, we understood. <laughs> what you yeah, but these are things that I myself can do on a daily basis or a, a weekly basis or whatever, and keep track of that for a three month period of time. It's interesting to note on the picky that if you fail to mark something down, you take the max score. Yep. Yeah. So uh, that's that in and of itself is indication of the fact that in addictive behavior we miss some of the the, the, the details of some of the stuff that we're trying to track so. i think he's also really a good exercise to get you in the habit of some kind of journaling yes that's part of your recovery plan it, it goes hand in hand with that really well yeah, and self-evaluation yeah 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 those are great picky items so 
Anyway, that's uh, that's a tool that I would recommend, highly recommend to anybody who's uh, who's working through the recovery process. Again, this is coming from Patrick Carnes uh, Facing the Shadow book. Uh, it's a great tool in that particular, uh, something that he recommends to, to all addicts as they're working through recovery. Uh, and I think it's a great tool just because of how it helps with uh, uh, recognizing the, the role chaos plays in our lives. All right, well, I guess I will take a turn to share a tool. Perfect. One of my favorite tools is a letter to yourself. Now, this talk this is also talked about in good in great detail in, in Patrick Carnes book, but this is this is a this is a pretty universal tool in any kind of twelve step recovery right, right. kind of a piece. The the idea here the idea here is that when you're in a really, really good place, you sit down and you write yourself a letter. Now the letter has to be written in such a way that this is this is going to be like a kind of a last ditch effort to help get you in a good place. I think the uh, the book actually describes this whole section as being fire drill planning. Sort yes. of that whole concept of look, uh, all other stops have sort of passed and I'm I'm in this spot. Yeah. <clears throat> so, it wants to, it wants you to uh, to give a lot of consideration you know, you want to be in a really good place when you write it. Right. But it, you also need to consider very carefully what circumstances you might be in when you read it so that would it be most helpful. So I'm just going to read off a couple of questions that you might ask yourself while you're constructing this letter. Sure. Okay, one of them is, what are the probable circumstances, uh, circumstances under which it is being read? What are the consequences of ignoring the letter? Sure. That's a good one. That's a great one. What would you really need at the time of a slip? What are the clear criteria for behavior can you give yourself? What clear criteria for behavior can you give yourself? That's, that's like some really clear directions. Sure. You know, um, what is the hope if you don't act out? And what is at stake if you do act out? Uh, what is the plea you need to hear at this moment now I who I I wrote a letter wrote a letter to myself when I went through uh, went through this book with my counselor and, and some other guys going through recovery and so and this would have been some eight years ago and I still have that letter with me. That absolutely stuns me. That really does. I does mean, the it? fact that a piece of paper you've carried around literally for eight years, and it's been on your being every day for eight years. Yes. That's fantastic. With, with very few exceptions, yes. Yeah. It's I don't find a whole lot of pieces of paper that last eight years, but that's phenomenal. Well, I'm not going to say this one <laughs> has lasted very well. I think it, it started out as like a couple small sheets of paper, and I think now it's probably 16 really small sure, sheets of paper. Sure. It's like so, a, it's a small stack of recovery cards now. Yeah. But <laughs> so here's the here's the question I think that every mm -hmm. person that's listening to this podcast wants to ask. Okay. And that is is that share with us in a time in your life where that letter was incredibly valuable to you and that you pulled it out a time or two and that it saved you from from making a decision that you didn't you would have regretted later. Do you know what there have been a couple of times. There have been a couple of times that I've used it. And there have been a couple of times that I've just read it just because. Okay. You know, something that I revisit because there are some really, really good things in it. I remember specifically one time. Um, and actually, 
actually it was uh, I'm, I'm kind of skipping around now uh, I had a, I had a, a moment where there was something going on and I was triggering and I couldn't put my finger on what it was but it always happened at about the same time I had just I dropped my son off to daycare sure and then I would go to work and as soon as I dropped him off I would I would feel myself get triggered and I would just ramp up and I could not figure out what on earth about my situation was doing it you know what was what was triggering me it turns so I remember one time the the impulse to go home and to act out was just really really intense and so I pulled the car over I pulled the car over and stopped and I pulled my letter out and I, and I pulled it I pulled it out. I stopped at the intersection where I'd have to make the choice to go to work or, or sure. turn to go home. <clears throat> and I read my letter and I followed the directions. And as part of part of the directions in my letter, it specifically tells me, uh, take a minute right now and reach out to somebody. Wow. You that's know? a great piece in the letter. That's yeah. fantastic. That, that's one of the directions <clears throat> it gives me. Uh, first line is it thanks me. Thank you. If you're reading this, then you really don't want to act out you know yeah but it was it was really really powerful because i sent out i sent out this really kind of cast a really wide net kind of text everybody in my phone and and before i could finish reading the letter my phone started blowing up (laughs) the text started coming back yeah people started getting back to me and you know that was really really powerful so there were a number of moments where it was, a, it was a decision point. It was a hinge point. And, and the letter gave me what I needed to get past that, to get through that. Now that I mentioned that particular incident, I want to tell the other part of the story. Uh, it turns out that what was happening was is, is it was the order in which I was getting ready for the day. Oh, wow. Okay. The way that I was, I was getting Absolutely. ready for the day was the same way that I would get ready to go meet somebody hmm. if I was going to act out. And... So it was, I was going through this process. It was part of, it was part of my ritual. Sure. Going through this process. And, you know, then as soon as I dropped him off, then I was by myself. And that was the. That was the hinge point. That was the spot. Yeah. Mm. And now I'm ready to go. Anyway, I'm happy to report that I didn't act that day, act out that day. But the reason that I told the rest of the story was I believe that it was using the picky and uh, relapse chain, you know, cause I, I would do relapse chains on that. That's probably something we're going to talk about. Sure. In a yeah. But I would use those tools and I would, I backtracked it and that's what helped me discover the pattern of what was giving me problems. And then to, to fix that, I had to change the, I had to change the order of how I got ready in the morning. Wow. Minor changes, major changes, mm-hmm. uh, go you a know, different way to school to drop your son off or something. Like, what, uh, what did you do? You know do? what? In, in that case, in that case, I found it was easier that, um, for example, I used a different bathroom in the house to get ready. Wow. Um, yeah, I changed the order of, like, when I would shave and or brush my teeth or things like that in relation to what else I was doing. Just enough so that it wasn't the same. And, and that was enough to... To break the cycle. To break the cycle. Well, nice. I, think, I think also because I was doing that deliberately and I was conscious of what yeah. I'm doing. Yeah. Helped out too. What a fantastic story. Hmm. That's great. Uh, the, the letter has been a very helpful tool for you. Yes, it has. <clears throat> That's grand. That's fantastic. I uh, I wrote a letter to myself. Uh, I carried it around a little bit, but 
I found myself, I found myself at the point in time that acting out was sort of in my future, if you will, that, that I, I just neglected it. I just simply neglected those particular things. And I, I'm embarrassed to say that. Uh, I found the success for me is the time to have used a letter was more at the front end when I'm starting uh-huh. to feel like I'm in that process of ritualization or I'm in the in preoccupation and maybe pull out the letter at that point in time. I found that very helpful for me. Well, that's mm. one of the reasons why one of the exercises is one of the probable circumstances yes. that I'm going to use this. Yeah. The other thing I found is that all of these tools that we're sharing with you guys tonight, it's it's just like a lock. You know, locks keep mm-hmm. honest people honest. That's right. These tools keep people who want to be clean, to be healthy clean. clean. Yeah. yeah. You know, if let, let's be honest, if if I wanted to turn home, you were going to go home. I was going to go home. Yeah. yeah. But I really did, which is why the first line in my letter is thank you. You know, because yeah. you're already you made a great decision. You've yeah. already made a real it's it's very obvious. Mm-hmm. you don't want to do what you're tempted to do yeah that's fantastic yeah. that's fantastic what a great story yeah. daniel you've got a a tool or two that you've been uh, you've been very helpful for you yeah i mean the tool that i was going to bring up was uh you know gary already hinted at it you know the relapse chain uh you know it's not just effective for after a relapse has happened i've found that i've used it um when i'm starting to feel you know unsettled or if, you know, say I have anxiety coming up or I'm feeling kind of blue or something like that, I can kind of put that down and start at the bottom of that and work my way back. Yes. Um, the nice thing about that is, you know, because I'm, it's it's really designed to be used for any t- time. And you Pre- can... Daniel, pretend I don't know what a relapse chain is. Yes. And give me an idea of what that looks like. Well, you, you guys are flipping to the pages. Yes, we are. So yeah, so um, so the worksheet is designed for you to kind of break down what's going on. So, you know, you get to write down and kind of identify what are some current, uh, some present conditions that are going on, or probable present conditions, some sobriety challenges you might be facing. Um, you also can talk about you know what are the probable consequences if you continue down this road or, uh, and then the worst possible thing. But the nice thing is it's kind of, you know, just kind of visualize like a set, a set of stairs. You know, you have what you're dealing with. So what I would do is I'd have what I'm dealing with, whether that's anxiety, whether that's anger, frustration or whatever. And then I go up to the next step and that's my behavior. What, what did I do before that, that led me here? And then what was the self-talk that I was going through? And then you just kind of keep stepping back, um, going back beyond that. And even though the worksheet only has like six steps, you know, more often than not, I find myself that I'm going beyond those steps because I'm definitely digging a lot deeper. You know, when I first started, yeah, you know, it's like, oh, there's six steps. That's as far as I'm going. But over time, you realize the value of going beyond that because sometimes these things can go back days, weeks, even months um, to some little thing that happened and you know, this has been cycling in the back of your mind, and it's led up to, you know, this moment. I think one of the things that I found so interesting about these relapse chains, one of the, uh, oftentimes when I would check in with Gary and mm-hmm. say, look, I'm, I'm in this spot, or I've relapsed, or I've got, you know, this is what's going on mentally, he'd say, well, what's happened in the last 24 to 48 hours? And uh, I was, I'd say stuff like, Seriously, I mean, <laughs> forty-eight hours ago, you want me to remember what happened two days ago? Yeah. It's affecting me now. I just could not grasp that until 
one day, uh, one day it actually dawned on me. I remember had 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 a fight with a client uh, over a bill, believe it or mm-hmm. not, about getting paid. And I remember I was standing at the elevator talking to him on the phone, saying, "Gary, I'm you know I'm feeling amorous. I, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what I, I'm having this problem right now." And he said, "Well, what happened?" And we started walking backwards, and I'm like, "I don't know. I'm just horny. I can't really explain it." But he said, "He said, well, if you think back, you know, 24 to 48 hours, what's happened in your life that's that's caused you mm-hmm. to be worked up?" And I, uh, as I started working through all of that and thinking through that. He's exactly right. 24 to 48 hours, I'd had this argument with the client, and I was feeling... And the self-talk, that's the other piece. I don't think I ever recognized it, that when I get angry, Mm -hmm. I can talk myself over a ledge. I can talk myself off of the ledge, but I'm actually verbalizing. And if people Mm -hmm. were literally watching me, my facial expressions change. It's it's as though I'm having a conversation with myself. So that's a fantastic tool. Absolutely it is. as my story went on to realize that that client had, had created this problem for me uh, mm-hmm. in terms of cash flow and everything else, and it was causing me this stress to find myself now two days later talking to my sponsor about why am I feeling this way and, and then walking back to that far. And it was it was a fantastic process. So this is a great yeah, tool. No, it is a good tool. And I, I mean, I can't tell you the number of times. Like, if I get upset, it's like, okay, why am I doing this now? You know, because I'm just feeling angry. And that kind of goes back to, you know, the anger is a secondary emotion because it's now, okay, why? And then I can kind of break down, you know, back to those original yeah. feelings. You know, um, yeah, I'm feeling hurt. I'm feeling sad or something like that. You know, but yeah, there, that the whole self-talk, I'm definitely like, there are sometimes uh, I'm sure my neighbors are like, what the heck's going on in that, <laughs> right. that, my, that apartment over there? Because, yeah. Yeah, I'm walking around. I I'm ranting, talking even, to myself, even though it's just me. Yeah. But then I get to a point like, oh, why am I doing this stupid thing? And then I'll sit down with this and then work it out. Now we we <laughs> we call this a relapse chain because you're identifying the the links that led to relapse. Yes. But this is a really really powerful tool to help you know your whys of any given behavior yeah. that you're yeah. doing. Yeah. You don't have to use it just for relapsing. Exactly. And that's what. Uh, that's what I've been using it for. In fact, it was it was the use of this relapse chain that, like I mentioned before, that helped me figure out what was going on. You know, all right, what was I doing? Uh, well, I was dropping my son off. Okay, what yeah. was I doing before that? What was I doing? Yeah. Why was I doing these things? And, right. And that's how I made the connection. It also gave me a really, really powerful insight. Remember, you know, when I say what happened to you a day or two ago? Yeah. It's because if, if something happens, it usually takes about a day or two for it to work itself up in me. And so, hmm. so very quickly when I recognized that as something that I did, when something would happen, then it was like, well, I better watch myself for the next <laughs> couple of days or I'm going to talk myself into some crazy, right? Nice. Right. You know, and, and that's a, you know, to be too, you know, to be a day or two ahead of the problem is so much nicer. Than <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> when you're neck deep in it, you know? Nope. I agree. Yeah. Great tools. Absolutely. Great tools. I, I really, really enjoyed this. Uh, we've we've witnessed you know multiple people in some of our groups who have had to use these. We have a policy in one of our uh, one of our stage two groups where anybody who relapses they have to have to work one of these relapse chains and work backwards. And and I, I it's clear that it's identifying some of the problems for a lot of them. Um, it's been interesting to see some of the people how much effort they give to it and how much they don't, oh, yeah. which in and of itself is indicative of the problem that. 
that yeah. look, you're an addict and you don't want to deal with the fact that this could be helpful to you. And so we've seen that. We've seen some of that as well. Well, I mean, you can, the thing with this is, you know, the one, the ones that are putting the work in it, yes. you can see the changes in the wheels. Like, uh, you know, there's one guy in our, in that same group, cause I'm in that one. And from the very first one he ever did mm-hmm. to the one he just did most recently, night and day change. Right, right. And even the way he presented, the way he, you know, the first time you could see all the shame and the guilt. Mm-hmm. And this last time he was like, he was eager. He was more excited to discuss it and talk yeah. about it, yeah. which was, it was great to see that. Yeah, they're a great tool for discussion as well. Yeah. They really are. So just like any other tools, they work if you use them. Right. And use them correctly. <laughs> and use them correctly. <clears throat> you know, that's the thing about tools. I mean, uh, every time I think of the word tool, I consider mm-hmm. sort of a work belt. Mm-hmm. And there are some tools that are appropriate for the job and others that are not. Yeah. And I think as we contemplate, that's a, that, that's, a great, that's a great analogy because in the world of recovery, it's a very much the same thing. Uh, there are times there are times that perhaps a picky might have been better than a, uh, than a letter to yourself or mm-hmm. something yeah. like that, that if we'd have been paying attention to the chaos, maybe up front, maybe we wouldn't have received, the, you know, we wouldn't be in this place where we need the letter. Uh, but at the, at the point in time of relapse, maybe it's a great time at that point in time. But had we maybe have done the letter, maybe we wouldn't be doing a relapse chain. So again, these tools are just mm. incredible things, uh, but they have to be applied properly and have to be used at the proper time to, to really sort of help in the process. Well, yeah, I mean, it's like using a hammer to hammer in a screw. It will work, but it just doesn't work the right way. Not very well it yeah. doesn't work. Yeah. So The other thing is, that I want to point out is you should really familiarize yourself with a number of these. Yes. Yeah. And you might come across some that think, oh, that's going to be very, very helpful. And you might come across some that you think, I don't see how that's going to help me. Right. But I'm going to encourage you to familiarize yourself with them. And then don't throw, don't, don't just throw them out. Kind of put those tools on the shelf. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I work in a shop by trade. Yes. You know, and I have tools there that I use every I day, know, every single day, all day, every day. And then there are other tools sit on a shelf and gather dust until that one time <laughs> that I need it and I'm so glad it's there. Yes. I grab that bad boy, dust it off, and it makes the job so much easier. Right. Which is why I'm glad that I yeah. have that. There's a little fun analogy for you. That is fun. Yeah. I was just thinking too of this whole entire chapter and I remember my own experience of going through my, my group experience and talking about uh, talking about these tools. Uh, there's a diagram in here that I think is just incredibly, uh, incredibly helpful. It's uh, it's really of of a ball rolling down a hill. Oh yeah. yeah. And I, I just I absolutely love that diagram because for me it's a very visual uh, uh, depiction of when it is that I want to capture. When is it, at what point in time will I be the most successful in stopping the mov- the momentum of that ball moving down the hill? Uh, obviously, if it's sitting on some sort of a ledge up top, and then uh, I, I'm going to be much more successful at stopping the weight of that ball before it really gets going because as it makes its way down the hill, uh, it's gaining speed and momentum um, uh, almost exponentially. Yeah. And so consequently, uh, uh, you know, what little effort that I can put in front of that ball at that point in time is probably going to be uh, uh, not sufficient to really help me out. And I think I just love that photo because what it represents then is is that the places that I can make the very very most uh, for doing the very, very least, it ends up in a lot of cases being up at the very top. 
Oh, yeah. Which means in that relapse chain, if I can get myself back to a period of time, if I can think of the things that are affecting me the 24 to 48 hours before it actually occurs, I'm going to find myself in a much better place. Well, if I remember that, that right, you know, is it at the top, is it just starting to move? It only takes like 10% of your energy and yes. time. Yeah. And then as it gets a little bit further down, it's like 25%. And then and you get diff- halfway down. Yeah, it's halfway down, down, it's like 75%. <laughs> yeah. And then as you're almost to the bottom, it's like 90%. So it's like you're going to have to give all of your effort almost. Yeah, it's Just to try to, to get it. it. It's almost impossible, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I found that to be true in my own acting out experience. Yeah. That if I made it through, if I made it through the sort of uh, uh, the preoccupation stages of the mm-hmm. cycle and then on into ritualization, I, uh, by the time I hit past ritualization, it was pretty well a done deal. Yeah. I was acting out. Um and I think that that you know that representation of the ball rolling down the hill tries to illuminate those particular periods of time when it's most possible to interfere with the cycle of addiction as being you know much closer to the top than the bottom yeah. clearly. So interesting diagram. I just have always loved that. So well, we've uh, we've run out of time. We have. We've run out of time. What a great discussion. Uh, Obviously, the message to anybody who's working their recovery is is uh, get an opportunity to take a look at some of the tools that are available to you to, to help you through the process. Uh, this book of Patrick Carnes is a workbook, fantastic book, Facing the Shadow. Highly recommended, a lot of great reading and a lot of great tools in there to help with the recovery process. Yes. And if you just want to look up these tools on the internet, That's right. they'll you come can, up. If you look up PCI or Personal Craziness Index, you can it'll, it'll come up. It'll come yeah. up. Letter to Yourself is... That's a pretty universal kind of a tool, but yeah, yeah. look these things up. They'll Good stuff. Up. Good mm-hmm. stuff. Well, with that, this is Mike saying do the work necessary to find the peace that recovery can bring. And this is Gary saying do the next right thing. And this is Daniel saying find the humility in your recovery. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We would love to hear from you. If you have any questions, thoughts, or concerns, or have any suggestions for future episodes, please contact us at 12th Step Podcast at gmail.com that is one two th step podcast at gmail.com as a fellowship of recovering addicts sex addicts anonymous offers a message of hope to anyone who suffers from sex addiction check out saa-recovery.org